You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 143 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, the one and only Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, uh, how are you doing today? Well, listen, I, I know we're all supposed to, we're supposed to have black armbands, we're supposed to have the black veil, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be in mourning, mm-hmm. but um, it's been 28 years, 28 yeah. years since the Montreal Canadiens have been in the Stanley Cup final, and I think uh, fans owe it to themselves to enjoy every second of their team being in the Stanley mm. Cup final, and uh, and we're going to do that. We're going to yeah. Uh, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to analyze it. Uh, that's what we do. We're going to analyze yeah. it and talk about what's not gone <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the Canadians' uh, favor <laughs> here. Um, but for the but primarily, uh, we need to. Uh, immerse ourselves in this Stanley Cup experience because uh, who yeah. knows when it's going to be around again. You don't know. You just don't know. So you might as well enjoy it while it's here. And listen, there's been tons of excitement. There's been uh, yeah. uh, 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 lots of of uh, exciting play. There's been amazing saves. There's been great shots. There's Look at the how physical this series has been. Unbelievably. Yeah. Fi- the first game alone had 115 hits. I think it was... 58, 57, something like that in hits. Wow. Uh, Amazing. Yeah, just incredibly physical hockey that we have been watching uh, in this Stanley Cup final. And Rick, incredibly physical. I think that is the, uh, it's probably the slogan for the UFC. And uh, UFC 267, probably a better slogan that they could come up (laughs) with than that, actually. But regardless, (laughs) UFC 264, McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set. Every punch kick and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Listen, if you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. 
You just pick six fighters, you stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. No better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey. We don't forget or about those We don't forget about hockey. No, yeah. or basketball. And like not basketball. basketball. Yeah, exactly. We, we always remember. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We always have it at front of mind. But DraftKings, they don't forget about basketball or hockey either. They have even more money up for grabs throughout this week. And most importantly, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Now, I know this is right up your alley. I'm not asking you to to reveal where your bet's going to lie, whether it's McGregor, mm-hmm. but yeah. I know you're going to be all over this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As I always am. Yeah. I, I love love UFC. So it's going to be great, Rick. Um, so, uh, Rick, we should say that we've got quite the show lined up for today. We're going to get into in just a few moments, a sort of a, a brief recap of games one through three of this series, how things have gone down. Uh, we're going to go into a, a prospect or a roster news injury report, prospect report. We're going to have all that information coming up in the first segment in segment number two. We're going to review the Stanley Cup final to this point. We talked about the matchup last week heading into the series. We'll talk about how that has progressed and how things have gone through the first three games of this series in a little bit more depth than we do uh, when we just briefly recap them in a few moments. And then in segment three, the have have your say segment. We're going to get to uh, some text emails, other things like that. Uh, So that's all coming up. Uh, Rick, we should say that the Montreal Canadiens, of course, Played the first three games of the Stanley Cup final this week. Uh, game one, uh, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, 5-1 Lightning win in game one. Uh, ben Sherratt scored the lone Habs goal. Uh, the Lightning took advantage of miscues, uh, and they won in convincing fashion. As I said, 5-1. to one. Uh, Not the way that you'd like that series to start if you're the Montreal Canadiens, but that's fine because you had game two to sort of rebound you know you, you only listen you go on the road for a playoff series you're looking for a split so the Canadians still had an opportunity to do that um, the Canadians had 20 more shots on goal than Tampa did uh, they did not capitalize on their opportunities and they left too much for Tampa Bay uh, including a uh, debilitating goal in the dying seconds of the second period that uh, it's just hard to come back from that type of goal so the Canadians lose that one three to one. Another uh, unfortunate miscue that led to the third goal as well between uh, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie. But then you fast forward the series. The series shifts back to Montreal for Game Three. Uh, more miscues, a poor line change, turnovers, blown coverage, uh, and the Canadians unfortunately find themselves down three zero in the series. The Tampa Bay Lightning with a stranglehold at the moment. Uh, so, Rick, the three games, they have not gone Montreal's way. No. They've they've had some brief moments, but nothing significant. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are doing exactly what you would expect of the defending Stanley Cup champions. For sure. And, um, you know, I, I think there's some... Um, 
there, there's quick and dirty ways of, of kind of uh, coming up with conclusions or, or framing the narrative here. Um, and I understand that uh, not many of them uh, have been on track so far. Suffice to say that the, the Tampa Bay Lightning are playing like uh, a, St- a Stanley Cup champion. They are the defending cup champs and and yeah. they've been through this before they know what it takes to win uh they are playing till the the, the last um, tenth of a second uh of every shift and um and the canadians are not um that uh you know there's been um opportunities for the canadians uh you, t- you talked about game two where they uh, had a you know more than uh, they had 20 more shots than um, than the lightning but they really aren't uh, the, yet the the high danger opportunities yeah. were almost even and and uh, the Canadians really aren't making things difficult for their opponents um, and uh, unfortunately their strengths uh, what has been their strengths their penalty killing their 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 play of their defense has been uh, completely uh, taken away and exploited by uh, by a, uh, one of the league's best coaches um, mm-hmm. in John Cooper and and um, and they find themselves in this position. It's it's uh, you know the Canadians probably didn't expect themselves to to be uh, in the final and uh, they're looking a little unprepared at this point. But we're we're going to break all of that down. Yeah. Uh, as we get into our big topic segment in segment two. Absolutely, Rick. And yeah, there's a lot to dive into. And, uh, you know, obviously headed into this series, a lot was made of the power play of the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the penalty kill of the Montreal Canadiens. So we're going to be diving into that. The coaching matchup, as you talked about, and basically everything else uh, at the center of this series uh, in segment number two. Um, So, Rick, we should say that uh, last week, my three stars of the week column uh, Kerry Price, I chose him as my first star of the week. And, you know, I didn't really have anyone else that could have could have been in that spot because Kerry Price is the reason the Montreal Canadiens got the Stanley Cup final uh, in, you know, game six overtime. I talked about a save he made on Max Patch already, a clear cut opportunity, and he just turned him aside. One of the best scores on the Golden Knights in overtime uh, to allow the Canadians an opportunity to live on as he's done so often throughout this year, uh, throughout this playoff run. You think back to game six against the Leafs as well, where he just did the same exact thing, whatever the Toronto Maple Leafs threw at him, he had an answer for, and it was the same story against the jets against the Knights and Rick, he's, he's just been incredible. Um, you know, and, and of course things haven't gone the way the Canadians would hope in the Stanley cup final. Um, but yeah, as I said, uh, lots of turnovers, lots of miscommunication, lots of, uh, well, a poor line change last night. Uh, just just a lot uh, for a goalie to try and mask. So it isn't really necessarily fair, even though we've seen some of it already. <laughs> even though we've seen some of the turn, the reverting back to just sort of blaming the goalie for every goal that's allowed. Um, it's, it's not necessarily fair to do that, considering the Canadians are likely gone a long long time ago if it was not for the play of Carey Price. Absolutely. And and it's not like Carey Price's play has uh necessarily changed no. in in the final. Uh he continues to make those big saves. You look at what looked like uh if you look at the box score um for uh game 1, uh looks like a lopsided score, but it was a one goal game till midway through the third period and the only reason that uh the Canadians had a chance 
in that game was Carey Price. Uh, you talked about the um, unfortunate goals uh, that had really nothing to do with him in Game 2. We'll talk about Game 3 in uh, yeah. the second segment. Uh, the You know, it, when, when you're looking at this uh, series, uh, has there has there been any one player who has given the Canadians more of a chance to win um, games than Carey Price? No, of course not. Um, yeah. But but the the rest of the team just isn't there, and and you know they they weren't there <laughs> uh, the previous um, uh, series either. Uh, but but um, you know Carey Price would would keep them in. You think of. You think of the the overtime game against the Leafs, where the shots were thirteen to two or something to that uh, um, extent, and and yeah. and it's been Carey Price that uh, has continued that, uh, but the, his teammates just haven't been able to contribute uh, the way they have. Um, and you you go down the lineup, and and again we'll we'll do that a bit later, yeah. but. Um, and the other part of it is is um, you know you can find the the uh, the quick and dirty narratives on social media. If you want something a little bit more in depth than that, uh, some 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 more objective analysis, uh, then you want to go to allhabs.net. There we've yeah. got every preview of every game. We've got every recap of every game. Uh, and so many, um, so so many new uh, uh, fans have been uh, finding our site, and and uh, our you know our views are off the chart, our social media interactions are off the chart, and we're thrilled with every single one of you who's uh, been there from the start, or uh, have just uh, located us, and and the same goes for this podcast too. Our our uh, our uh, downloads are our way up. So we really appreciate um, your support through these playoffs. We're not done yet. We've got lots no. and lots to go. <laughs> and even beyond the, uh, the yeah. Stanley cup final, we're going to be here and, and uh, lots to talk about. But um, to this point, we want to thank you for uh, supporting us through this. And, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, Rick. And as you said, lots of great content over at allhabs.net, including uh, Chris's notepad, as you said, the game previews, game recaps, and uh, yeah, my three stars of the week column. And there's going to be a new one up uh, on Sunday. Tomorrow nice. drops every Sunday. So that, that'll be that'll be something to look forward to. I'll but be uh, Rick, it. yeah, we should move on to uh, some roster news, Rick. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens, to this point, uh, it's, you know, sort of. It's rare to get to this point and to not have any injuries, but other than Jonathan Drouin, no players currently on the injury list. They do have players that are playing hurt, oh, but yeah. there's a bit of a distinction between, you know, if you can play through it in the playoffs, you play through it, but it might be a pretty severe injury, but they're just sort of going through the motions at, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it's interesting in that, that, uh, that there, you know, we know, um, we know, about uh, Jeff Petrie, we know about yeah. uh, Shea Weber. Um, we know the the the, uh, the bumps and bruises that uh, Brandon Gallagher has. I'd venture to say that something's up with Tyler Toffoli. He just isn't yeah. skating well, and of course he's been MIA uh, for uh, without a a point in the last uh, out a goal in the last eight games. Um, yeah. You know, it goes on down the list that that um, these players are dealing and playing with injuries, some sort of more severe than the other others. Um, but for the most part, uh, the Canadians can ice the lineup that they want to. 
Um, there was a bit of a wrinkle in that before game one and, yes. and uh, with Joel, uh, uh, Joel uh, Armia, who was uh, uh, placed on the, the COVID protocol list. We remember uh, Armia um, missed uh, time in March and into April yeah. uh, because of of uh, contracting COVID. Uh, we assume that he was vaccinated with uh, with the Canadians and everybody else, but somehow appeared on the uh, the COVID list and, um, you know, wasn't able to practice and then took a private check down to Tampa for, for game one. Uh, but because he had missed some time, the Canadians, Dom Ducharme, felt that uh, it was better to insert uh, Jake Evans in the lineup, who had been a healthy scratch uh, since yeah. his recovering from his concussion. Um, Evans in uh, was okay. Um, no, I shouldn't say that. He was better than okay, but... Uh, yeah. the 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 team was missing the the physical aspect of mm-hmm. of Armia on that for fourth line. Armia came back in for game two, uh, but all that said, uh, the, the 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 coaching staff have the luxury of um, of of inserting the players they want to be there. So when you see the way the third pairing on the fence um, mm-hmm. <laughs> has shaken yeah. out, which many fans are upset about. That's a coaching decision, uh, as as are all others. So, uh, injury yeah. update. Um, yeah, it's uh, it it's there. There are, are players playing with injuries, but otherwise uh, unaffected. Uh, the line. There yeah. was there was um, in addition to Armia, and mm-hmm. and we should say um, uh, Dominic Ducharme, of course. Um, yeah. He missed six games um, because of being on COVID protocol. He had to isolate at home, and uh, he was he was uh, back for Game Three uh, behind the bench. Although prior to that, uh, he made it clear that that he was still in charge, making the decisions, making the game plan, making the personnel choices. Uh, with uh, Luke Richardson uh, being the bench boss, uh, during the game. Um, but Ducharme was still there between period, uh, in contact between periods yeah. before and after games. So, uh, not much difference there, but there was, uh, one of the members that went a bit MIA, um, during the playoffs. And, and, and I know it, uh, uh, affected, uh, your week and, and, yeah. um, and you know, well, a couple weeks back you were away on, on mm-hmm. a va- family vacation out to Western yep. Newfoundland, exploring, yeah. um, getting in touch with nature. And, and uh, it seems like another one of your family decided it was time <laughs> for a family vacation of their own. And, and they yeah. spent a week exploring. Yeah, yeah. So and adventuring a, and, you know, all an that. adventure. Yeah, going on an adventure. My cat uh, got out, unfortunately, the morning of game one. So uh, my attention has been a little bit diverted where it would normally, of course, be on the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final, it was, okay, how do we get her back inside? <laughs> because we knew she was around, and she wasn't going to you know, venture off too far, but you still wanted to have the, the security, the peace of mind of knowing she's back inside. So, yeah, she went out for a bit of an adventure, and hopefully she's gotten that out of her system, and uh, we'll, just, we'll just stay inside. Well, I thought we'd mention that for all your followers on, on Twitter yeah, exactly. who were you know, concerned about were yeah what, what and i appreciated the uh, the good vibes that was that not only uh, mike reached out and ben and, and of course the the all habs team as well the internal slack group was 
was uh, very supportive as well. So I appreciated that because, yeah, it was a little bit of a, is a bit of a week, bit of a week, but she came back in yesterday evening, which was great. I <laughs> should have the cat came back music queued up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that should have been queued I up. I should have, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can add it in post. But uh, anyways, right. Rick, we'll move on to, uh, move on to a uh, Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So, Rick, the uh, Laval Rocket have been uh, rather busy this week uh, <laughs> making some signings, and uh, including a pair of uh, Quebec-born skaters. Boy, that's prominent in there. I'm surprised they don't put yeah. it in caps um, in yeah. their, the press releases. Um, yes, uh, the, the first um, being um, uh, Quebec-born defenseman Carl Neal. Um, now, if you haven't heard of Carl uh, Neal, um, uh, don't worry. Uh, yes, he was mm-hmm. born in Quebec, uh, but um, he's he's had an interesting um, uh, career, uh, spent some time in the queue, um, and, uh, and then went to U sports, uh, which you don't normally get back to, uh, Canadian pro hockey from U sports necessarily. Uh, but mm. he went over to that hockey hot, hot bed of Denmark to start ah. his pro career. Yeah. Um, this, this, um, yeah, I, I, the, the, the Laval rocket are obviously going out of their way to sign Quebec born players. And uh, it appears that, uh, at hopefully, uh, most of these are headed uh, to the brand-new ECHL team in Trois-Rivières. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, uh, I think, the uh, the best spot uh, for uh, Mr. Neal. But you also have uh, Danik Martel, a little bit more of a familiar name, perhaps, for those who have followed the AHL. Yeah, uh, he has almost 300 games of AHL experience. Uh, he's not one that's, um, he, I, th- I think, five or six handful of games uh, in the yeah. NHL. He's not one who's going to be a threat to jump to the NHL. Uh, he'll be, um, I guess, some... some um, uh, veteran AHL mm-hmm. uh, presence in uh, in Laval and uh, 26 years old uh, diminu- diminutive five foot eight forward um, and um, uh, may- maybe add some uh, some scoring punch to the uh, Laval rocket. Yeah, and, and they certainly do love those diminutive forwards. So uh, another one added to the fold there. Uh, <laughs> so, Rick, uh, moving to some coaching news. So uh, the Blue Jackets uh, filling up their bench. Uh, Brad Larson, the head coach, now he's, he's filling out his staff. Uh, Pascal Vincent of the, the Manitoba Moose, who's been a fantastic coach in the AHL, and former coach of the Laval Rocket, Sylvain Lefay, both going to the Blue Jackets. Yeah, it's interesting. It's... it's uh you know the the AHL is not only a place for uh, players uh, to uh, develop and uh, and make that jump, but we're seeing it in uh, in spades with uh, the the number of of coaches who are moving, making that jump from the AHL to the NHL, and uh, and the Blue Jackets have have picked up a couple uh, of very good. Um, uh, coaches uh, Pascal Vincent, who's done an amazing job uh, developing players, 
um, in uh, w- in the Winnipeg Jets organization, and uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, who heads to uh, the Blue Jackets uh, after being with the San Diego Gulls and, and before mm-hmm. that, uh, as you said, with the Canadians uh, organization, and, and he'll be looking after the defense, absolutely. You have a, a, a Stanley Cup champion looking after your defense, um, that's uh, good news for the uh, for the Blue Jackets and and quite a change, uh, I think, in the the direction of the coaching staff uh, from Tortorella to this yeah. this new um, kind of outward looking group. Yeah, for sure. This is going to be a bit of a change for those guys in Columbus. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Rick, we should also say Andre Turgny, who is the coach of the uh, World Junior Hockey Championship team uh, this past. December, um, he's headed to the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, a little bit of a, well, of course, a, an interesting jump there from a guy that, you know, obviously was coaching in the QMJHL, was coaching with Hockey Canada. Now he's got an NHL gig. And uh, as head coach with uh, with the Coyotes, he also was uh, an assistant to Gerard Gallant um, uh, in the, the World yes, Championship. exactly. Uh, that stunning turnaround for uh, for Team Canada. Uh, so he heads to uh, Arizona as their head coach, and um, and now the 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 uh, all eyes are on uh, Joel Bouchard, uh, as yeah. we talked about uh, in previous weeks. That uh, there there has been discussion from ninety one nine uh, FM that uh, uh, Joel Bouchard would likely not return as. Uh, uh, head coach of the Val Rocket next year, and there's been uh, some ties between him and Tourney, uh, and so we'll see if uh, the Canadians can retain him um, mm-hmm. and uh, keep him in the organization, keep him happy, or whether he'll move to Arizona. I doubt whether anything, given the Can- given the position that the Canadians are in in the Stanley Cup final. I don't expect that uh, any of that news will be sorted out until after uh, the playoffs yeah. are over. Absolutely. And as we said last week, this is likely a much bigger story that you are following sort of day to day to see where this goes, if not for the Canadians being in the Stanley Cup final. Because, yeah. of course, Joel Bouchard is a, is a guy that many have held in high, high esteem, high regard since he joined the organization. So this is going to be an interesting thing. Uh, to watch and uh, and see how it unfolds. And Rick, of course, be sure to read the content at AHL.Report and listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal podcast following this story and many others surrounding the AHL. Uh, no better podcast to listen to every week. Episodes every Tuesday of the Press Zone podcast with yourself and Amy Johnson. Um, and just a, a preview for next Tuesday's uh, the Press Zone Montreal's podcast uh, we're going to be diving into that Sylvain Lefebvre uh, hiring mm-hmm. in, in Columbus a little deeper, and um, we have uh, we're going to have as a guest uh, one of the uh, uh, um, Columbus uh, bloggers who it has collected all kinds of questions uh, for Amy and I uh, from Columbus fans uh, about uh, Sylvain Lefebvre and and his coaching experience. So that's going to be something different uh, for us yeah. to to uh, uh, engage in and listen to. That'll be a great listen. So, yeah, I definitely don't want to miss that episode or any other episode of the Fine Press Zone podcast. Uh, Rick, uh, we, we will move on to some playoff news and notes here. And, and Rick, one thing that has been sort of going on 
not necessarily in the background. I guess it's been a story that has sort of been at the forefront a little bit. But, of course, with the Stanley Cup final games themselves taking a little bit more of the attention, perhaps slid to the background uh, sometimes. But regardless, the Quebec Health has uh, the Quebec Health Department has refused an increase in the maximum attendance at the Bell Center. So it remains at thirty five hundred. Meanwhile, it's been increased to 18,600 at Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay. So, again, Rick, we talked about it when it was with, and you and Amy Johnson touched on it when when you were talking about the Vegas Golden Knights home ice advantage versus the home ice advantage that the Canadians had. It's just a different atmosphere when you have that many fans, and it is unfortunate that the Canadians can't sort of benefit from having more people in the building. But, you know, of course... It's out of an abundance of caution, and you understand, but it's still a little bit disappointing. It is, and um, this is this is difficult for for Canadians fans to uh, come to grips with. It's it's difficult for the Montreal Canadiens themselves to come to grips with, and yeah. uh, as much as um, you know. Uh, as the the Canadians fans are proud uh, of uh, their support of the team, and uh, we've seen all sorts of comments that uh, well, thirty five hundred uh, of our fans uh, sounds like twenty thousand yeah. anyway, and and yeah, and that's a really really nice thought, and it's it's uh, it's cute, but it, it just isn't reality. Yeah, uh, that 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 it's it's not possible for. Um, the uh, the 3,500 fans in the Bell Center to generate the uh, the excitement, the intensity uh, that um, that they can with a, a full building in in the Amelie Arena in, in Tampa is just not possible. And that's nothing against those 3,500 uh, at all. They were loud at times no. uh, in Game Three, um, but uh, we we saw. I mean the. Throughout, uh, when, when in uh, the semifinals, when the Canadians went into uh, Vegas and had that experience for the first time, they 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 were quite open and said, "Yes, uh, it affected us. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a uh, a, a, a part to play, um, and uh, you know, it was quite obvious uh, in Game Two that uh, reversal from." Uh, Joel Edmondson yeah. to Jeff Petrie. The communication there um, was just these are these. This is a team who's played in a bubble, who's played uh, in 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 silence, uh, other than the voices on the ice and the voices from the bench uh, for a very long time. And there, uh, they made a communication error, uh, and it looked really, really bad for yeah. uh, Joel Edmondson. And uh, yes, he was partly to blame, equally to blame Jeff Petrie in Game Two. Uh, the Palat goal and and absolutely nothing Carey Price could do on that um, because the breakout happens in a certain way. You have certain expectations um, and and uh, it, it's it's just it, it's it, hockey as as uh, has been said um, uh, by John Cooper. Hockey was meant to include fans and uh, yeah. having th- thirty five hundred fans at at the Bell Center is one thing, uh, but having a full building makes it one of the best atmospheres in all of hockey. Um, yeah, the, the Canadians had asked for ten thousand five hundred. 
Uh, they were were they had a plan to, um, and, and we should say that that it's uh, it's very controlled when you're in the Bell Center. You can't move from place to place. You're in a section. Um, you 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 can't even leave when you want to. You have to stay, and they 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 empty the building by section. So yeah, um, it's very controlled. You see. Uh, that on the the armrests they have the the Clorox wipes they have they they've done everything they can they have a mask rule and and attendants are very quick to uh, 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 talk to people who aren't wearing their masks properly um, the Canadians have done everything they can uh, but they could not this week satisfy uh, the the Quebec Ministry of Health and and um, and and that's that's disappointing. Um, I, you know, is it, is it, um, I, I guess, I guess I'd have to wonder, uh, if, if now when, um, when the, you know, the, the, the population of Quebec has gone through this, um, uh, pandemic and gone through multiple, multiple lockdowns and they've brought the, their numbers to, um, call it, it's called a green zone. They've brought their numbers to an acceptable level. The vaccinations have been brought to a, 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 a very good level. Um, if it's not acceptable now, when is it ever going to be acceptable? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's what upset the Canadians. And, and you heard Dominic Ducharme um, get quite, quite public. I was surprised that he spoke so publicly about saying that he does not understand uh, this decision. He, in fact, went further to say there's no logic in this decision because um, you know there's there's 25,000 fans outside the uh, yeah. Bell Center who are uh, glued shoulder to shoulder, uh, and they're not observe they're not observing social distancing. They're they're in many cases not observing mask mandates, uh, and um, so he didn't uh, he didn't understand that. It's it's um, it's the kind of debate that that we're not going to solve. But I think it was a real, um, you know, the the Quebec Health Ministry had an opportunity to reward people for um, yeah. their good behavior for uh, getting vaccinated, and and even if they had made it so that okay, we'll go to to ten uh, five with uh, and and admit people who have been vaccinated, um, then that. That was an opportunity to show that uh, to reward people who've been vaccinated to encourage those who haven't uh, to be vaccinated, and yeah. um, they just missed that opportunity. And unfortunately, uh, it is affecting uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's yeah, as you said, it's nothing against the thirty five hundred that are in there. I think. You know, as much as fans feed off the emotion of what's happening on the ice, fans also feed off the emotion of other fans. So, I mean, there's going to be some, you know, when you're the ones that have to be constantly making noise, there's going to be a little bit of fatigue that sets in when you're always the ones that have to have to be setting the standard for what the noise should be in a playoff game. So, I mean, you, you want to have more people in there, of course. And it's, yeah. And given the fact that there are so many people outside and, and it was kind of the thing that, and we talked about this before when they swept Winnipeg and you saw the people outside and yeah, not all of them wearing masks and a lot of them in close proximity, you're like, Whoa, that's a lot of people outside. Like I, I just, yeah, you, you'd think that you could probably get a few more in there, a few more thousand in there safely and uh and yeah reward people for doing uh their part and and doing good so 
Um, unfortunate though. And here's the, here's the plan. It was uh, it was Paul Wilson that uh, the the communications director who had revealed that the Canadians' plan, the plan that was presented, the plan that was turned down, was to um, uh, uh, admit ten thousand five hundred fans, and only people who had received their second dose would have been allowed, and they would have got a, a QR code from uh, from the government uh, that they could bring in. Uh, and they had to be, uh, the, the Canadian's proposal was uh, only had they received their second dose a minimum of seven days uh, before the, the game would have been admitted. Um, and the, uh, that, in that way, making sure that it was only fully vaccinated people who were in the Bell Centre and, and Quebec Public Health uh, said no. And, and, and listen, it got into, um, as I said, this, some of this stuff is is a little more public than um, it has been in the past. I'm kind of surprised it even got to the point where uh, Valerie Plant, mayor of, of Montreal, had taken a shot at the Canadians saying, listen, um, uh, it's your responsibility to uh, organize these all of these people who are outside. It's your responsibility uh, to organize them and organize viewing parties for them. Paul Wilson shot back saying, um, listen, our hands are pretty full right now with with being in the Stanley Cup final yeah. and, and trying to uh, make sure the people inside are safe. And, and uh, Jeff Molson got involved. Uh, it's 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 gotten a, a little too uh, public, a little too uh, a lot less cooperation than than I would have hoped uh, in this situation. And uh, I, I, I think it's a. It's a real missed opportunity uh, for uh, the government of Quebec and, and Quebec Health. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as you contrast that to the 18,600 at Amelie Arena, it's a little bit more of an advantage uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning at the moment. So a little bit unfortunate, but regardless, Rick, uh, that's just one aspect of the Stanley Cup final, the home ice advantage. We're going to dive into more of the aspects of the Stanley Cup final offense, defense, goaltending, special teams, all of it, coaching as well, as we already touched on. We're going to dive into that in our next segment, reviewing the Stanley Cup final. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. 
Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder, Rick Stevens. Uh, you can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website over at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, we're talking Stanley about, Cup final. We're, we're yeah. talking about not, not, not our usual mid. Yeah. In, in the break. <laughs> Yeah. Blue Rodeo and uh, yeah. metal band, 90s metal band called Dead Guy. Apparently John Cooper showed up to mm-hmm. uh, the presser today, the media availability, wearing a, a T-shirt of a 90s metal band um, called Dead Guy. Now, I, I don't, I don't I, know Dead yeah. Guy. Uh, as you pointed out, John Cooper's uh, from BC, Prince George. and, and uh, But this is, Dead Guy was a... A New Jersey-based band in the oh. '90s. Um, wow, uh, the metalcore movement. Um, and uh, Sean Rourke says, uh, "Dead guy was huge when I moved to New Jersey in the '90s. Live shows were wild. Often looked like they were wrestling instruments instead of playing them." Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Uh, but but uh, uh, John Cooper, he's always got a message. So uh, he said the reason he's wearing it is because they had a, uh, one of their albums was called Work Ethic. Um, yeah. And certainly the Tampa Bay Lightning are showing plenty of work ethic uh, during the Stanley Cup final. And let's see if Dominique Ducharme replies with his own obscure <laughs> yeah, reference right. to a 90s metal band. Uh, <laughs> but Rick, uh, that, is, that is one aspect of, of the Stanley Cup final is... John Cooper wearing a uh, musical a shirt. choices, yeah, yeah, of a of a metal band from the '90s. So uh, there are plenty of others, and we talked about it last week when we teed up this series, and and talked about a little bit of the Canadians' journey to getting to this point, and to be the best, you got to beat the best, as Arturi Lekkinen said last week heading into this matchup, and Steven Stamkos even saying that you know what, this is the best team that the Canadians have played. This is going to be the best team that we've had to play. And through three games of this series, Rick, uh, things have not gone the Canadians' way. It's been rather one-sided. The Lightning have shown their uh, experience from last year. It's, it's shining through the 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 going through the process of winning a championship together seems to be of a huge benefit to them in this series because it has been all Tampa Bay Lightning all the time and. I think when you start to have a conversation about the Tampa Bay Lightning, you can go in a lot of different directions because they're just that good. They have that many guys that you could go and you could talk about the defense, you talk about goaltending, you talk about coaching and John Cooper. But I think you should probably start with the offense because, Rick, my goodness gracious, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, Nikita Kucherov has 32 points in the playoffs and it's not even a slam dunk that he's going to win the con smite. Like this is this is how good the Tampa Bay Lightning are. Like this is a team that is just I mean you have the tier of superstar players then you have another tier of guys that are 
all-star caliber players. Then you go a tier below that, and there are guys that play bottom six roles on this team that could conceivably be top six guys anywhere else. Like, this is just an insanely constructed team. And when you look at the offense, I mean, you have the likes of Kucherov and Point and Stamkos leading the charge. There aren't many more guys that you'd rather have than those three leading you offensively. And their their third line has been uh, strong contributions yeah. from Goodrow and, and Yanni Gord and, and Coleman. Uh, last night, uh, Tyler Johnson, uh, that was that, that interesting adjustment as uh, John Cooper has been making each and every game, making just tiny adjustments. He moved Colton up to that second line. Tyler Johnson, who had been filling in for Killorn, goes uh, to the fourth line and gets two goals as the Tampa do- uh, fourth line dominated uh, the Canadians' fourth line. Uh, th- their offense... Uh, comes from their their big guns, but it comes from everywhere. And uh, yeah. and one of the things that Tampa is doing much differently this series when when you talk to the uh, the Tampa beat writers, uh, the the thing they're doing very differently than they've done in any other series is activate their defense. Uh, and we saw yeah. we saw last night we we saw it from uh, game one, uh, the very first goal scored. Um, yeah. Uh, by Chernak, uh, we saw it last night. The first goal scored by uh, Ruda. Uh, the the John Cooper ha- is is very good at analysis. Uh, he 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 looks at uh, he looked at what Vegas did by uh, the the number of points that uh, got from their defense, and he said, "Okay, um, that's good. Uh, they exploit the Canadians." Uh, we can do it better, and and he he brings yeah. in a plan to f- so that uh, Tampa can can execute it and exploit the the Canadians. Uh, so they're getting offense from all over, and um, it's 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 really tough for the the Canadians uh, to defend. Um, their offense is is a machine, and uh, it has been all season. It has been all through the playoffs. Um, and uh, the 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 Canadians coaching staff, on the other hand, um, have have just rolled out the same strategy that they've used uh, throughout the playoffs that's worked. Uh, but uh, all of those uh, those four Clydesdale minutes uh, are starting to uh, to, to uh, take their toll, and and it's the the Tampa Bay forwards uh, who are getting to that slot to getting to to the uh the the scoring areas and uh you it, it it's you know when you talk about uh, the canadians and and the they've for the most part outshot the the lightning uh in the series those shots are really meaningless uh because yeah. for the most part they are uh low quality shots and and vasilevsky is is building his uh, save percentage on low quality shots the canadians uh each and every game are losing the the uh, the battle of high danger scoring chances. It's um, it's it's something that 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 offensive machine does so so well for Tampa Bay. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you look at the scoring leaders for both teams, I mean, it gets to a point where you know you have Andre Palat and Anthony's and Anthony Sorelli, who are six and seven on the Lightning and scoring. They would be third on the Montreal Canadiens, right? Like this is the type of disparity that there is between not only the scoring, but the depth of scoring as well. So 
it's it's a tough matchup for the Canadians to win offensively. Uh, they are they just have so much firepower. Defensively, and, and just before where, we leave, uh, yeah. if 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 yeah. you don't mind me jumping in, just before we leave the Canadians' um, uh, offense, there, um, uh, the, the Canadians' offense we know is built five on five. That's yes. how that's yeah. how it's been through the season. That's how it's been through the playoffs. That's where they excel. And again, uh, John Cooper has deconstructed the Canadians and taken that away from them. Look at at five on five, uh, five on five production from the Montreal Canadians. They have three goals in three games, five yeah. on five. One from Ben Chirot, one from Nick Suzuki, one from Phil Deneau. That's not enough against no. against the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning. You can't win. Uh, that if that's their strength, and we know that that power play hasn't been their strength, but if their strength is five on five, and you're not uh, you're not succeeding, you're not performing, uh, you're not going to win, and that's that's yeah. what's happened. Uh, the Canadians haven't got their offense, their five on five offense on track in this series. Absolutely not, and I mean it's 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 that way. Uh, you know, when you talk about the five on five play, I mean it's not even that the Canadians aren't producing those types of opportunities five on five. It's also what they're leaving for the Tampa Bay lightning and what they're leaving them is golden scoring opportunity opportunities. The like, uh, like Philip Deneau's turnover in game two that led to the bench Rob pinch that led to Blake Coleman's ridiculous goal. Uh, and you know, it was, it's, it's those types of things. And you talked about it. Is it, the fatigue that is starting to set in. And of course we know that Weber and Petrie are playing through some things right now, busted hands, maybe even Edmondson and Sherrod at this point, we don't know. We, we really just don't know at this point, bumps and bruises along the way, they get worse playing these types of minutes that they've had to play defensively is where the Canadians needed to control the slot and be able to get those lightning forwards out of those danger areas and clean up rebounds if they did happen because Kerry Price hasn't really been giving up juicy rebounds but there's been some that have just dropped after he's made the save that you just need your defenseman to come in and clear that just needs to happen and the Montreal Canadiens haven't been able to do that on top of giving the lightning golden scoring opportunity after golden scoring opportunity and it isn't just the defensemen. It comes down to mm. the forwards, too. They're playing the defensive game, and you have a guy in Philip Deneau who some view as being a Selkie Trophy candidate who turns the puck over. You don't win a game after that type of goal. You give up that type of goal in the dying moments, dying seconds of a second period. You don't come back and win that game. That just does not happen. So it isn't just the defensemen. But I said going into this series... The issue that I had, the one concern, the biggest concern that I had is that there is nowhere to hide against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And you have Eric Gustafson and John Merrill in there. And even if you didn't have them in there, the Canadians are so dead set on playing these four guys the minutes that they're getting. There are, there's nowhere to hide any, anyone. You can't buy minutes against the Tampa Bay Lightning because they will make you pay. So you better have somebody that you're confident in out there to eat those bottom pairing minutes and the Canadians, quite frankly, I don't know where the confidence in, in Eric Gustafson and John Merrill came from, but they've got it and it hasn't paid off well for the Montreal Canadians to this point. That was my concern as, as this series unfolded was where are you going to buy minutes for your guys, your top four for your Clydesdales to get a little bit of rest. 
and and the Canadians simply cannot afford for them to have rest. Yeah, it's it's as simple as uh, listen. And and uh, you said they have confidence in them. Well, I I don't know that they do because. Uh, they're yeah. never out playing as a pair, never out playing as a Merrill Gustafson pair. Uh, obviously, they don't have uh, the confidence to make sure that uh, to, to, to put them out together. They, they're they always a mix and match uh, with one of the Clydesdales uh, adding to to their burden. And it's not only a physical burden, it's a mental burden when yeah. when um, when you have three pairs rolling um, and 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 look across the ice. Look at the third pairing of of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mikhail Sergachev, hate him, Habs fans. Hate him all you want, uh, that he's a dirty player. He's been tremendous. Uh, David yeah. Savard, who, you know, many were talking about uh, that the Canadians should uh, try to go after. On their first pairing, um, you know, uh, yeah. um, he's playing third third pairing. That's a really effective third pairing. And then you're comparing it to um, guys like Merrill and and uh, Gustafson, who are both turnover machines, who are out of position, who are uh, obstructions rather than getting in and blocking uh, shots, who who don't use their sticks effectively in taking away passing lanes. These are terrible defensemen. Um, and uh, you know, Eric Gustafson, who came from the worst, he was a healthy scratch on the worst defensive team in the National Hockey League this year. And uh, Merrill coming from uh, from Detroit, who Detroit. we know the story there. Yeah. Um. This this is. This is ludicrous that uh, that they are being put out there, but I was going to say that that um, it's not only the physical minutes uh, which are uh, a huge burden, but it's also um, mentally. Um, you know, normally you go out, you do your shift, and you can get sit and sit on the bench and recover and and reset and be sharp again, knowing that you have two pairs to go through before you have to go on the ice again. Yeah. That's not the case with the Montreal Canadiens. Those four guys have to be sharp all the time. They have to be uh, have their head in the game all the time. They don't get any recovery time, and that's been going on uh, since May. Um, it's 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 not. We've we said it before. It's not sustainable. Um, yeah. And just to chime in, uh, you know, you mentioned Philip Deneau and that 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 goal that, as you said, it's not a goal that you recover from uh, with tenths of a second left in the second period of game two. Philip Deneau made three mistakes. Philip Deneau turned over the puck. There was no reason that he he wasn't he wasn't forced. He turned over the puck. Then um, there was a moment of hesitation. Who am I going to cover? Is is it going to be uh, Coleman? Um, um, or or is it, is it going to be Goodrow? And yeah. that moment of hesitation uh, allowed Coleman to get the step. And then the third mistake was uh, Coleman just outwilling uh, Dano. Dano didn't have proper positioning, didn't get between um, uh, Goodrow and and uh, Coleman. Uh, that's three mistakes on the same play on a just a gut wrenching goal. Uh, yeah. Maybe a series turning goal uh, on from the guy who's supposed to be your uh, number one uh, center, uh, and and that can happen. The other thing that can happen is um, Philip Deneau can't uh, be a number one center, occupying uh, number one center uh, minutes, 
and take 20 games in the playoffs to get his first goal. That That's yeah. just not... Uh, the, the Canadians, when we go back to offense, Canadians can't survive on that. But yeah. since we're talking about the defensive game, uh, Philip Deneau has been a letdown in, in, in this series, but more so, uh, the Canadians' defense just hasn't been able to to withstand uh, the the uh, offensive machine that is is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it might be a conversation that might tie in a little bit more to coaching as well, but the personnel decisions in this regard, because, you know, I said the confidence that they have, but they, they simply, yeah, as you pointed out, they don't have confidence in playing them, but they have confidence to choose them over the likes of Kulak and Romanoff, who are right. more known quantities within this organization, who played more games throughout the season with this team and as a pair, which, I mean, perhaps they don't play as play them as a pair anyways, uh, but it's something. It's something that you can maybe buy a minute here or there and get those guys some rest because they've just been playing, as we said, it's, it's just not sustainable to play four guys, the types of minutes that those guys have been playing all playoffs long. So and just that's, before that's we, yeah, we leave the defense. Um, you know, I think the defense is has been uh, the key part to this series. On the Canadians' end, the defense aren't able to uh, to keep the the Tampa forwards out of the uh, high danger shooting areas. On the other end, uh, the Tampa defense has done exactly that to the Canadians, yeah. not lo- allowed them anywhere near good shooting opportunities. Um, the, the, the Tampa defense is, is, uh, also been activated and contributing to, uh, the offense, uh, Canadians, uh, defense has not. Uh, so I think the, the Tampa Bay for all their offensive firepower and they have it, they have a ton of it. Uh, they are winning this series on defense. Yeah, exactly. I agree 100% with that because, yeah, you have Victor Hedman leading the charge for your defensive group. Uh, You're going to go pretty far. Uh, And he scored last night as well. By the way, left on an island, the Conn Smythe Trophy winner (laughs) from last year, just left to shoot it point blank. So there's that. And then for goaltending, Rick. So this is the matchup that everyone was excited to see, and understandably so. It's Andre Vasilevsky versus Carey Price. But as you pointed out, you know, when you frame it in that way, these goaltenders are not facing each other. They're facing the shooters on the other team. They're facing the skaters on the other team. And, you know, that has been an advantage for one of them. And the other one has unfortunately not been getting the support and, in fact, has been getting uh, lots of, as we talked about, miscues, miscommunications, uh, poor line change, turnovers all over the place. Carey Price has not been able, and, you know, it's unfortunate, as we've talked about, that he's taking some of the criticism here when the context of these goals that he is allowing are from turnovers and bad decisions all over the ice, and the Lightning are simply just taking advantage of that, and, and you know, it's it's shown up on the scoreboard. Carey Price has, has carried... Um the team to the Stanley Cup final. There should be no debate about that. Carey Price has not only stolen games, uh, he has uh, a stolen series for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Carey Price is indeed uh, one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League, uh, plays at an elite level. Andre Vasilevsky is also an elite goaltender, every much the equal of, of Carey Price. But, um, is is uh, you see a lot of the narratives out there that 
Andre Vasilevsky is, uh, for example, Andre Vasilevsky stole game two. He didn't. Um, as yeah. we said, he he faced a high volume of shots, but none terribly difficult. In fact, the the um, uh, an equivalent number uh, to Carey Price in terms of high danger. Um, it's it's um, it's 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 sad that that uh, once the the that w- the the player who's brought them to the finals um, has is the first is the first target, and I understand that for fans who uh, many are casual, many many don't uh, follow uh, hockey. That uh, but it seems amongst the Canadians fan base and and many of the Canadians media who don't like Carey Price, who don't like uh, that he doesn't give them a juicy quote, uh, that that don't like the amount of money he makes. Um, they're they're quick to jump on on Carey Price. I saw some of the members of the Gazette uh, blame Carey Price for that goal that we talked about in Game Two, the uh, the Edmondson um, uh, giveaway to to Palat. Price had absolutely no uh, way to stop that. Um, so uh, these people are just being disingenuous, uh, absolutely disingenuous and trying to push out a narrative that, that they'd want to push out. Anyway, remember the Gazette was, was the, the, uh, uh, source that was saying that Jake Allen should be the starter yeah. throughout the playoffs, which was ludicrous with all due respect. And we've talked about it to, to, uh, Jake Allen. He, he struggled mightily, um, uh, in April while Carey Price was, was injured. Um, he had a real tough time, and and uh, he just can't handle the pressure situations. Can't handle the load. He's not Carey Price. He's not anywhere near Carey Price. Um, and and it's 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 odd to see that a fan base turns uh, so quickly, but but understandable, I guess, uh, given the way that that the media drive that narrative so hard. And um, last yeah. night we we saw. Uh, after the game, there was a quick kind of uh, oh, uh, it was it was Price's fault, and and we see fans um, they talk about I, I know there the a buzzword a buzzword is rebound control, and we saw it all over social media. Um, oh, Price's uh, Price didn't have his rebound control. Well, when 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 you when you're not um, you know up on your your analysis and and it's it's a it's a word that or a phrase that you can use to try and and blame Carey Price, but um, analysts back up what what they say um, and and Carey Price rebound control would suggest that um, he's he's not he's not either tracking the puck or being positionally sound. Um, one of the the better uh, analysts out there, Mike McKenna, said, um, uh, "Just talk to a highly respected goalie coach. Carey Price is the most positionally sound goalie ever, not of his age, not of mm-hmm. ever." And I've heard exactly the same thing uh, uh, from goalie coaches. There's just no one who compares to uh, Carey Price. Plays that game. That's that's. Uh, that's positionally st- sound, uh, structured game moves uh, uh, in an economical way. Um, but let's get back to this rebound control uh, business, um, because if that's the case, if if Carey Price was was having a problems with rebounds, and that's what caused the game to turn, 
You would say that you would be all over them. I would be all over them if that was legit. If that was legit, yeah. if that was uh, came from objective analysis, we'd be quite open to to uh, saying the same thing. Uh, but let's look at that at how last night played out. Um, Jan Ruda scored the first goal uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We talked about the defense being activated. 152 mm-hmm. into the game. This is the Montreal Canadiens down two games, down two games, coming home, and then they have an opportunity for a great start. And 152 mm-hmm. into the game, they give up the first goal. That's not a great start. How did it happen? How did it happen? Um, I, I and And we should say... Um, as far as, and, and the teams know this, the Canadians know this, um, the importance of the first goal, uh, and it's important to both teams, the Canadians in the, in the playoffs, in the entirety of the playoffs, they've only won one game when they haven't scored first. Yeah. The Tampa Bay lightning, how many games have they scored when they haven't scored first? A zero. Yeah. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning have to score first to win. Yeah. So it's pretty important. It's crucial, mm-hmm. in fact, for yeah. the Canadians to score first. Yet they allowed um, uh, they allowed uh, Jan Ruda. Now, what happened in that play? Um, it was off a of faceoff. Uh, it was the Canadians' third line up against the top line. We'll talk in a minute how that happened. Yeah. Uh, Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi won that faceoff, um, and uh, Petrie ringed it around the boards to Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson, who uh, Dominic Ducharme often puts out on uh, in the starting lineup, even when his his line isn't starting, inserts him because uh, Dominic Ducharme feels that that Josh Anderson uh, is the kind of player who. Uh, can uh, inject energy and 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 cause the the Canadians to have a, a good start. Anderson turned over the puck to Hedman. Mm. Um, his stick was lifted uh, by uh, by Palat. He lost. He just lost a puck battle on the boards and turned the puck yeah. over to Hedman. Uh, shot goes. Uh, the puck goes to point. It's 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 blocked. But who's first on the puck? It's point. Mm-hmm. Um, the Canadians are being very casual about this whole thing. Um, now, um, there's a, a, a three person screen in front of price. He's leaning to his left to get around the screen. Uh, he's fighting the screen. Kucherov is right on his, his left shoulder. Um, and, uh, the puck comes from Ruta. Paul Byron, where's Paul Byron? Paul Byron's job is to cover the point. He's late. Getting yeah. to the point, he doesn't block the shot. It goes through Ruda, uh, perfect shot, top corner. Price mm-hmm. is on the wrong side. He's trying to look around the screen, and and you get that 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 uh, screen. The Price had no chance on that first shot. There was no rebound to speak of. <laughs> there was an opportunity yeah. for the rebound. Um, so, so the, you know that's that's that that. Uh, amateur analysis doesn't really count mm-hmm. there. Now, how did it get no. to that point? How did it get to the point where the Canadians uh, had the third line against the top line? Well, um, uh, it was it was uh, uh, Kakinyemi, 
uh, who uh, in the previous play entered the zone. Uh, they had their third line. It was third line against third line uh, out there. Um, Kotkaniemi uh, entered the zone, and he made a great, great cross-ice pass to, to, to John Merrill. Yeah. John Merrill has the puck at the face-off dot, no one near him because mm-hmm. of a, a great face, a, a great pass. What does John Merrill do? He fanned on the shot. Yeah. He completely fanned on the shot. Um, it, it was, it, it, I mean, how does that happen? How does that happen? And uh, the, the, the Canadians, the, talk about uh, an opportunity to score first. Talk about a, 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 a high danger scoring chance, which don't come along very, very often. Yeah. So um, uh, Tampa immediately take that puck, rush up the, and go the other way to, to engage in the offense. Uh, Petrie kind of uh, knocks the puck to Anderson, and Anderson watched the puck go by him. I don't, I don't know yeah. what happened there. He just, he just wasn't expecting it. It came quicker than he, he, he missed it. It went off the boards and uh, down the ice. Anderson, uh, to his credit, uh, skated uh, to try and negate the icing. A close play. Some Canadians fans thought Anderson uh, should have got it. Anytime there's a, you know, tie goes to the runner kind of thing. Anytime. Yeah. The linesmen are going to give that to uh, to Tampa, um, and so a call for icing. Back into the Canadian zone, as we said, the Canadians had the third line on the ice. What does John Cooper do? He tosses out the top line. Yeah, creating that mismatch. Great coaching move. Uh, absolutely great coaching move. Um, but then that top line dominated, uh, and Anderson would go on to make uh, the mistakes we talked about, and the puck would end up in the back of the net. Uh, does it have anything to do that that first goal, which is crucial, that that determines whether uh, Tampa Bay wins games? Did that have anything to do with Carey Price? No. Did it have anything to do with rebounds? No. Um, it's it's kind of again a, a, an amateur analysis. It's some it, something that you toss out uh, that that uh, that can't be backed up. So if being down one uh, less than two minutes into the game is 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 a tough way to start, then being down two would be even a tougher way to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could say that. Could I say that? Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, Tampa Bay has uh, a, uh, a power play that's uh, that's you don't want to face. Thirty seven percent, unheard of. Thirty seven percent in the playoffs. Uh, more than one in three cha- times they score on the yeah. power play. Um, and we talked before about uh, the Canadians kind of uh, uh, their their penalty killing streak gets uh, dismantled. Veteran Eric Stahl. Um, I, I, he felt pressured. Uh, maybe he tried to make a play. Maybe it was a result of being, uh, um, uh, you know, one goal down already. Uh, he puts it over the glass in his own zone yeah. and he gets a delay of game penalty. Um, and the, the, uh, Tampa power play go to work. You mentioned it before or earlier, uh, Victor Hedman, there's nobody covering him. He's no. all alone. Yeah. All alone. Um, uh, Deneau's closest, but obviously, for some reason, he got there was a miscommunication. He thought uh, Lekkonen was going to 
cover Hedman. Uh, Lekkonen thought Dano and 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 was closer. Um, Hedman's allowed to take his time, move in, wind up, um, and just at the point of of uh, the shot, Sorelli goes and takes away uh, Price's eyes. Price didn't see it. Um, he 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 tra- he got a piece of it, but it it, it squeaked through. Um, there's there's no rebounds there, and there's plenty of mistakes uh, on that play that you can say um, I don't I don't think Carey Price was responsible for that goal. Yeah, no. The first two goals uh, at that point, you know, the the game is almost over. Does it have anything to do with Carey Price? No. Does it have anything to do with with rebound control? It certainly does not. Not not in the not in the least. Yeah. And I mean, after that, you get into some of the most more disastrous. I mean, you get into the line change that caused the two on O. You get into the pinball that was the fourth goal to Tyler Johnson. I mean, these are not goals that are on Carey Price in any way, shape, or form. So t- take that for example. That was, uh, you know, uh, Deneau got his first goal in the playoffs, made it 2 1. Uh, yeah. But right away, it was uh, that Petrie line change and um, uh, th- that somehow uh, ended up in a two-on-O. And if mm-hmm. you're going to have a two-on-O, um, you know, it, it, it can't be uh, a Colton or it, it has to be Pilat yeah. and Kucherov, right? It just has <laughs> yeah, to be. of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Price has no chance on a two-on-O against Pilat and, and Kucherov. He, he just doesn't. No. Um, and, uh, that's that rebound control. There was no rebound. Mm. There. there was no, no rebound there. Uh, so go ahead to that, that two on one. Um, and, and it's, uh, a two on one. Um, you have, uh, Matthew Joseph and you have Tyler Johnson coming in on Eric Gustafson. Um, Tyler, uh, uh Price made a very good save on the, the Tyler Johnson shot. Um, or, or sorry, uh, the, the, the Matthew, Matthew Joseph, Joseph shot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was Eric Gustafson uh, and, and I understand this decision when you're, when a defenseman is facing a two on one, a choice, a choice is to give up the shot. And that's what, what Eric Gustafson did. He said, here, Price, you take the shot, you take the Matthew Joseph shot. I'll take Tyler Johnson. He backed mm-hmm. away. Let the yeah. shot go in. I'm not criticizing Gustafson for that. But then, the 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 the, re, the price made a, a very good save, pad save adjusted uh, came right back to Johnson. Uh, sorry, to to Matthew Joseph. To Joseph, yeah. And it went off of of Joseph's skate. Uh, lucky bounce over to uh, to Tyler Johnson, which that was Gustafson's guy, right? Remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and supposedly, supposedly, and and Gustafson <laughs> did nothing. He watched. Yeah, he absolutely watched. Um, so this is uh, Mike McKenna. Back to Mike McKenna. Mike Carey Price made such a good save on Joseph. He made the adjustment to stay square, and so that the puck came right back to to uh, Joseph. And it was just an awful bounce. The bounce that we talked going off the skate, and it ends up in the net. That's not on price. Rebound yeah. control doesn't enter this equation at all. Um, it's it's 
it's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, the fifth goal, turnover on Gustafson. Um, Price makes the save. Gustafson's there again. He doesn't clear the rebound. Tyler Johnson with his his second goal. Sixth goal, uh, empty net. Uh, this isn't on Price. This isn't about rebound control. This is about the Tampa Bay Lightning taking advantage of weak play, of turnovers, of of negligent play by the Montreal Canadiens, um, and and um, uh, it just just exploiting uh, their mistakes. Um, and and Dominic Ducharme said, uh, "Listen, uh, every one of their mistakes, uh, they made us pay in cash," which has turned out to be his famous phrase, his favorite <laughs> phrase as in April as the Canadians were struggling. Uh, I, I know it's colloquial and, and all that. Uh, not accurate because there was a lot more mistakes that were made uh, yeah. by the Canadians, and it was Carey Price that erased those. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about after the 4-1 goal, uh, Carey Price on uh, the Kucherov? An unbelievable save. Watch that save. I didn't believe he made it. I thought the Kucherov... Uh, shorted it and hit the side of the net. But you watch that rebound. Hits Price makes an unbelievable save on a wraparound by Nikita Kucherov. Uh, one of the, the, as you said, the da- most dangerous player uh, on the ice. Um, yeah. I, I get the fans are mad. I get that there's a lot of amateur analysis out there. Uh, if you're talking about Carey Price, uh, you're completely um, uh, in the wrong direction here. Uh, yeah. This is this is this this task. Um, Carey Price needs a little bit of help, and he's not getting it from his teammates, either in the goal production yeah. or or the defensive responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was after the fourth goal, the broadcast panned over to Jake Allen, and it was like, "What are we doing here?" <laughs> like, at, like you know, that goal was such a like a, you know unfortunate play that happened. It was a pinball that went right to Tyler Johnson. And he put it in the back of the net. And yeah, it, it was the first goal for Johnson. And the, the second one was uh, a bit more another gift from uh, Eric Gustafson on the breakout pass that went directly to the tape of Tyler Johnson. But regardless, yeah, it is not on Carey Price. He has done everything that he can to will the Canadians as he did in the first three rounds. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are simply... Um, an incredible team they just have as i said there's nowhere to hide there is simply nowhere to hide against the tampa bay lightning and on the other end when you're dealing with and and we've talked about it i mean the goals that that andre vasilevsky has given up (laughs) that hasn't looked particularly sharp but i mean he's still andre vasilevsky so he'll make some pretty incredible saves some nice looking saves but the goals that he's given up have been a little bit perplexing because it doesn't look as though he's at his most sharp right now he isn't uh, both in in puck handling and and uh, and the goals he's given up. It's a, an excellent point. You see that that goal in game two, uh, Suzuki from the blue line backhand, and it's a rolling puck. It's that one of those weavy rollers that goes yeah. in, the kind that um, my brother and I used to score on our neighbor's dad uh, with his hip waders <laughs> out on the back the backyard. You'd roll it and and weave it in and out and and. Uh, and and he couldn't uh, manage that. That was the, that's one of the worst goals I've seen given up in the playoffs. Um, yeah. the, then the, game three, Suzuki again. That shot that goes under his pad. Uh, that's a that's a bad goal. That's a terrible goal. Yeah. Uh, Corey Perry's goal from an impossible angle over the over the shoulder. That puck should not go in. 
Uh, but Andre Vasilevsky, uh, he has to deal with with less dangerous shots. And even if he lets in um, uh, one of those less dangerous shots, he knows he can play uh, without having every single uh, shot hinge on whether his team's going to win and lose because he's got he's got people around him to uh, clear the puck and he's got uh, you know the the firepower to be able to make up the offense. You look at that that goal last night, the Suzuki goal, and I'm glad you brought this up. Mike McKenna yeah. again. Um, on the Suzuki goal, Vasilevsky quit tracking the puck. He got lazy. Um, he's looking to the corner as it goes under him. It's a classic case of overthinking the rebound and forgetting to make the initial save. That's, that, that's, that's a, a lack of sharpness. Uh, yeah. And, and um, you know, on the other hand, you look at at uh, the goals that we, we've gone through goal by goal. You look at that one nothing goal. Um, he talked about Price was screened and obviously didn't see it, but it's the moving screen of Kucherov that made that hard. Goalies tend to hold one side as long as possible. Switching isn't op- optional when you're looking around. Holding one side just means looking around that screen. A moving screen makes the tracking really difficult. Um, and... You know, uh, Mike McKenna, again, everything price comes from his ability to rotate and stay compact in a control matter manner. He's deceptively explosive because he almost brings the entire package rather than reaching or lunging. lunging. Rotations are everything. He is the gold standard. Um, this was the, we talked about that, the paddle save. Price sweeping the puck out. Stick hits the post, smartly loses his stick in order to rotate shoulders back to square and elevate blocker. Lots of really good decisions in a very short amount of time. Um, Wow. Price post to post on the wrap. Thought it was RVH off the post, but his foot was front. This is the Kucherov wraparound. Made it even harder to get uh, across. Um, This is, these are the kinds of, of, uh, conversations that that experts have, that that goalie yeah. coaches have, that that uh, scouts have. Uh, I understand they're very different than the kinds of conversations that fans have because of uh, their limited lens. Uh, but we we spent a long time talking about this and a long time making the case, only because if you're talking about uh, Carey Price. Um, your 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 focus is dis, uh, is misdirected, and we'd like you to uh, to be best informed at least from this program uh, yeah. on 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 what the Canadians um, need to do this playoffs, and then once we get to the off season, um, you know what what uh, the Canadians need to be doing to to fill some of those holes to yeah. uh, to make sure that that this doesn't happen as they move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just goes back to and we almost sort of should have expected that this would happen (laughs) if if unfortunately we should have expected that this would be the case, that whenever the Montreal Canadiens experienced a little bit of adversity again, that it would all go back to Carey Price and it would be his fault, even though three rounds of the playoffs for a team that wasn't thought to have anything in their power to win a game against the Leafs, against the Jets, or the Golden Knights, get to this point, and still Carey Price, it isn't enough. It is, it's not, it hasn't satisfied people enough to believe that Carey Price maybe isn't the problem. But, Rick, with that, so we've already sort of touched on 
the power play of the Tampa Bay Lightning is it is as lethal as it gets. It scores one and three. Uh, like the the penalty kill for the Canadians was the thing that was talked about that they had just an extraordinary penalty kill, and a lot of that hinged on Carey Price making a lot of pretty miraculous saves. And when you get into this type of series against a team that has the firepower that the Lightning have, you cannot hide from that. Like that at some point is going to make an impact. And it didn't take a whole lot of time. The Tampa Bay Lightning figured out they cracked the code. And John Cooper deserves a lot of credit for that, as you've been talking about. So perhaps special teams and coaching tying in a little bit together there. And you have a team that has a lot of great personnel, but somebody making, pushing the buttons, making the right decisions as to how to exploit the Canadians' penalty kill. The Canadians' penalty kill has relied solely on Carey Price. He has, and we talked about this, uh, he had the best uh, penalty kill save percentage coming into this um, uh, series. And it wasn't even close. He had a 952, I believe, save percentage on the penalty kill and um, I think the next was 880, uh, something like that by Grubauer. Uh, Carey Price has been the penalty kill. Although yeah. the narrative uh, coming into this year was the, the, the number of games, the number of 30, uh, uh, 32, I believe it was, uh, penalty kills that the Canadians had shut down. And as you said, um, John Cooper was determined uh, to end that narrative in game one. Uh, he sent out five forwards with with yeah. uh, uh, with his team with minutes left in in the third period with his team uh, up uh, four to one um, and uh, and and they had a five on three at one point uh, but he sent out five forwards to end that narrative to make sure it wasn't a talking point to make sure it wasn't in his players' heads. Uh, it, it didn't matter the lead they had. He was going to eliminate that. Um, and let's just touch on um, the Canadians' power play, which yeah. has been pathetic, um, mm-hmm. absolutely pathetic. I understand that that uh, Shea Weber can't shoot the puck like he has been shooting the puck uh, because of his hand injury, and the same applies to Jeff Petrie. But relying on on Eric Gustafson and probably the only reason he's in the lineup is to run your power play. And then, um, you know, the disaster that the power play has been. Uh, and let's go back to to the game previous uh, when the Canadians had the four on three, had yes. had four yep. minutes and not and the personnel choices, the personnel mm-hmm. choices. Cole Caulfield. Where's Cole Caulfield? Yep. Exactly. Um, talk about that. I mean, uh, the, the, the Canadians' power play uh, deserves as much criticism as as uh, the mistakes that they've made on the penalty kill. Yeah, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Like, listen, if you're going to have, I believe, the other three on the ice, uh, well, the four on the ice were Gustafson, Weber, Toffoli, and Suzuki. If you have Toffoli, Suzuki, and Weber out there, I'm fine with that. But you cannot have Eric Gustafson no. taking up that spot. He is a, he's no threat to he, like on a four on three. You can have a shooting gallery at the goalie. Like you you can have you can let loose. You have so much ice to work with, and a guy who has made a uh, to this point uh, his entire hockey life of finding the quiet areas. You have a guy in Cole Caulfield that can find the open ice and get into a dangerous position, and you have him sitting on the bench. Yeah, uh, it made absolutely no sense. 
it's it's um it's really disappointing and and yeah. that uh, those personnel decisions get back to coaching and and yeah. and we've we've hinted at or we've talked about coaching all through but it's just an ab- it's been an absolute domination um in the coaching uh, column by John Cooper one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League um and and he's he's systematically dismantled the Montreal Canadiens everything that they were good at um, he's flipped the script, uh, absolutely flipped the script. Yeah. Up coming into this uh, series, it was the Canadians who were forechecking, who were relentless, who were making their opponents make mistakes. Um, and 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 now, um, you know, that's exactly what's happening to the Canadians. The Canadians are being forced into making mistakes, not only making mis- mistakes when forced, my goodness, the Canadians have been making a pile of unforced errors as well, yeah. and I think that comes uh, down to fatigue, both mental and and physical uh, fatigue. Um, the kinds of of uh, the lack of adjustments, so that the Canadians are just a um, a one and done uh, offense at this time. Uh, there's there's no second chance shot opportunities, uh, and and that's really hurting the Canadians. Um, it, it's, you look at, uh, Tyler Toffoli and, 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 uh, Josh Anderson, who, uh, were leading this team offensively, um, uh, during the, the regular season and have, have, uh, Tyler Toffoli, as I said, he may be playing injured. He's not, he's not yeah. looking very good, uh, on that role, on, on that line with Suzuki and Caulfield. Caulfield's been, uh, hasn't been a factor in this series. Suzuki's played uh, pretty well, uh, although he got dominated. Uh, the Canadians yeah. gave away game one, which which they can't do. Uh, the coaching didn't seem to have a game plan uh, for game two. Uh, Dom Ducharme, his his, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup final. They're at home last night. Uh, gets to put out any line he wants, and he puts out the fourth line. <laughs> you know, stop it. Yeah. Uh, that's that's not how you're going to win. The coaching decisions, and I understand it's been difficult with the Canadians. Dom's been in charge, uh, but it's been difficult for him being isolated for uh, uh, for the first two games. Uh, but the coaching decisions, uh, this this all goes to Cooper, and and yeah. um, and, and he also. Uh, you you mentioned it before the uh, uh, the show. Uh, Cooper gave his team. Uh, the motivation uh, by a, in an interesting way, I thought. Yeah, and it, he simply, I mean, he said the message was to his team, how do you want to be remembered? Like, how do you want to, do you want to go down as a team that just won it once, or do you want to go down as a team, won multiple Stanley Cups, remembered as one of the most dominant teams of the last decade? I mean, and, and really just go cement your legacy in hockey history as a, as a team that is one that won back-to-back championships and and simply I mean I think you could throw the word dynasty out there in that mm-hmm. case I mean it's not something that happens back-to-back cups we saw it in 16-17 with the Penguins and and that's a word that can get thrown out for the Pittsburgh Penguins over the last 10 years it's a word that should probably be thrown out there right now for the Tampa Bay Lightning they are on the verge of cementing their legacy as a dynasty, as a team that was simply a model organization that put it all together. And and Rick, I think one thing I want to mention here is not only have they experienced the winning together, but go back two years, go back to 2019 and the narrative around the Tampa Bay That's Lightning right. then. 
they've not only experienced the highest of highs together, they've experienced the absolute lowest of lows. So this is a team that not only has that experience of winning together, but they've also lost together in a pretty devastating and painful way. Different characters, some some additions made since then. But regardless, the, the main characters are the same. They experienced that. And now here they are on the verge of, of a second Stanley Cup 2020 and 2021. So uh, I think that that speaks a lot about the message that John Cooper is saying there. How do you want to be remembered? And if they win a second Stanley Cup here, the memories of 2019 go even farther in the in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, which leaves us uh, to our last category, and that's mm-hmm. intangibles. And we talked about that already with respect to uh, the crowd. Uh, yeah. obviously playing a, a factor in, um, you, you know, for, for Tampa Bay, I should just mention, uh, there, there was a lot of question, uh, that Tampa Bay has an opportunity to, uh, to win the cup in Montreal. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would be unfortunate on Montreal on yeah. uh, Monday. <laughs> um, but t- typically, uh, and we've seen it over the last uh, few years, not so much last year, but. Uh, where uh, uh, teams celebrate with their families on the ice. Um, yeah. That won't be happening. Uh, the NHL had confirmed today uh, that the the families of the players have not been given any exceptional uh, treatment uh, by the Canadian government to allow to cross the border to attend the game uh, and a potential celebration on Monday. Uh, so mm-hmm. just mentioning that intangible. Another intangible, um, that if the Canadians uh, are successful, and we sure hope they are on Monday, and extend the series and it goes back to Tampa, um, when you when we thought we've seen it all uh, in this crazy, crazy season, mm-hmm. uh, there's another intangible that might be in play as the, the uh, cup final goes back to uh, Tampa, and that is the path of Hurricane Elsa. Uh, uh, the NHL is monitoring, uh, Steve Wino reports, the NHL is monitoring the path of Hurricane Elsa, which is tracking toward Tampa early in the week. Uh, and uh, John Daly says that we'll be able to adjust as necessary to ensure the safety of everyone. Um, wow. <laughs> when you have, when you thought you've seen everything, my goodness, uh, uh, potentially uh, a hurricane might affect this series. Uh, wow! Yeah, uh, just another intangible to consider. <laughs> lots of them, lots of them to consider as we head on down, uh, and yeah, towards Game Four, and see if Game Five and Six of this series are going to be necessary uh, if the Canadians extend this out, but. Uh, Rick, we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we'll get to some uh, some tweets, some texts, all that stuff in the Have Your Say segment. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected learn more about rsm its team and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com i bet you enjoy sporting your best habs jerseys dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest habs gear and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink 
Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 143 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And Rick, uh, this segment, the third segment of our show, the Have Your Say segment, is devoted to those who have reached out to the show. And uh, somebody this week, was having their yeah. say last last segment right there. Um, yeah, she seems was. we had a guest. We had a guest. <laughs> Uh, we did, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we mentioned your cat in the first uh, segment. She, um, I guess, heard that and and um, and yeah, wanted to contribute in the second segment. Yeah, yeah. I think she's got a lot of opinions. I think she's uh, <laughs> she's got a lot of opinions on how this uh, this Stanley Cup final series has the, worked out. The funny thing is, until the break, um, and I don't know why I hadn't asked you before. I didn't know your cat's name. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's not. Do you want to share that? On, yeah, I haven't shared it on social media, but it's uh, it's Moo. Did, it's did a black you say Moo? No, Moo. Moo, Moo. Okay. Moo, like Moo. the cat, like the like cow. Like cow. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she's. Uh, we didn't actually name. We haven't named any of our pets actually. Uh, they had names, and then, you know, I don't know if I don't know if it's a big deal if you change a, a pet's name. Is that a big deal? You think? I don't know. If that's we'll a ask conversation our listeners that we should, about that. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would have been the name that I would have chose if if I had the if I had the decision to make, but I'm not a very creative person, I so see. I wouldn't have come up with something better. But yeah, yeah, Moo, like a like a cow, because she's she's black and white, and okay, yeah. but, I won't but, forget yeah. that. Yeah, that's it's an it's a memorable name, if nothing For else. Sure. <laughs> well, we had that but, yeah. contribution, but we've had lots yeah. of others. And uh, listen, our our uh, fan page on Facebook has been unbelievable. Uh, during the um, uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, for the, the the last month, we've had the the reach has been almost 1.6 million uh, fans, which is incredible. Um, we've had all kinds of uh, almost uh, 4,000 fans uh, join the page. 
Uh, since wow. um, uh, since the playoffs started, we're up to well over forty seven thousand now, and uh, and casual fans joining in. So listen, if you want to uh, interact with us, well, interact with us on Twitter. Uh, send us a, a text at five eight five three Rocket. Um, but m- most importantly, go to the All Habs fan page on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash All Habs, facebook.com slash All Habs. And uh, make sure you like the page while you're there. And then um, uh, you can see all of the posts, which are uh, voluminous and, uh, mm-hmm. and joining <laughs> with uh, uh, this, the uh, threads of, of conversation, which go on and on and on. And we, we have... Um, lots of Canadians fans, obviously, the majority are Canadians fans. But since uh, the Canadians are Canada's team in the Stanley yeah. Cup Finals, we have fans from all of the other Canadian teams. Uh, we also have, um, I would say, uh, uh, a fair number of Tampa Bay uh, Lightning fans. And um, there was one uh, last night that after the game, and there was, there was lots of yelling and screaming and arguing, and as you might expect. As you would expect, uh, yeah. With uh, a, the disappointment of, of a third loss, three losses in a row. Uh, I, I noticed a comment from um, a Tampa Bay Lightning fan who said, uh, and I, I don't have it right in front of me, but said, um, I, I want to, I, I, I love your page. Uh, I want to contribute here. I've enjoyed your coverage. Um, and I just want to say how much I understand that, that you're down in the series, but I just want to s- say how much I respect the, uh, the city of Montreal and the uh, history of a franchise like the Montreal Canadiens. I've learned so much about them during the series. And I mean, it's those kind of comments. Well, everybody's in fisticuffs and yelling and calling yeah. each other names. Uh, it's those kind of comments uh, from uh, uh, fans from the opposition that uh, they really kind of warm your heart. And and yeah. and and you know, it's it's the, that's the kind of hockey community uh, that you want to uh, that you want to build. And and that's Absolutely. what we're doing. That's what we're doing at, at All Habs, at Rocket Sports, and, and uh, specifically on the All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook. We have um, Randall Cook saying, uh, at the end of the day, I still love this team, win or lose. It's hard because I know they have what it takes to win, and I know that they can. Look how far this team has come. Win or lose, it's been a hell of a ride, and I've had a lot of fun. We still make history. We're going to have the whole league thinking twice before dismissing us. Uh, Rita Burns says, still so proud of them. We've come a long way. Go Habs, go. Um, Garth Asham says, uh, Canadians are just an uh, an A le- Oh, sorry. Uh, the Lightning are just a level A team, and there's no coming back in this series. Okay. Mm. Uh, Anna Allers Allers says, there's still at least one more game. And uh, Jerry uh, Guzio says uh, the Leafs came back after being down 3-0 to the Wings. That was back in 1942. Go figure. So he yeah. was reminding us that this is uh, this has been yeah. done before. It hasn't been done in almost 80 years, but uh, that mm. there's a template uh, for, there, yeah. there's precedent. for a comeback in the finals. That's uh, And, and uh, listen, we've gotten texts. We've gotten... Um, uh, uh, Emails, uh, our email address is info at allhabs.net. Kevin Whitaker, Whitaker uh, I've heard from every single day. Our dear friend Dino in, in Ottawa heard from every single day and, and getting tons of emails, getting tons of direct messages on Facebook. 
Um, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's really heartwarming that in July we're still having all of the having all of these uh, hockey fans engaged in uh, with Rocket Sports and and every one of our our uh, contributors um, I think has grown and and is is better from it. Absolutely, it's been a it's been a great ride, Rick, and we'll see what comes of it uh, with games four on Monday and if uh, if necessary five and six on Wednesday and Friday. So, Rick, we'll see. We'll see if this ride keeps on going. Listen, <laughs> um, it, we can only treat this as positive. And um, yeah. Carey Price was asked last night, um, uh, you know, uh, do you believe? Do, uh, how do you believe that this team is is uh, can rally? And he said, we don't have a choice. And yeah. we don't have a choice either. No. Um, you know, we have to, uh, we have to, uh, s- uh, simply focus on the next game, simply focus on, on one win. If you look at the big picture, it looks bleak. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but look at, uh, each and every game, focus on each and every period and enjoy and engage in, in the experience. Because as we said at the top of the show, who knows when this is going to come around again. So, um, listen, enjoy, uh, thoroughly enjoy uh, your Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup final. Again, we'll, we'll give a shout out to our, our uh, fans in Canada. Uh, happy Canada Day as your celebrations extend into the weekend. Uh, tomorrow's uh, Sunday, that is, is going to be uh, 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 Independence Day for our U.S. Uh, uh, fans. And, and we wish them a safe and happy holiday there as well. Um, this is not a time to, it, you might be a little discouraged, but this isn't a time to be down. Uh, focus, enjoy, and uh, revel in the fact that your Montreal Canadiens are in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and seeing if this series uh, prolongs into the week that follows that episode. So Rick, we'll be back, as I said, next week. We'll thank everyone who's listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.